Welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast and today's guest is Mel Riley who is a child and adult family therapist and she's here to talk to us about teen mental health and how to move families from surviving to thriving. This was originally broadcast as a live Facebook event and can still be found on the Parent Guide to GCSE Facebook page. So, um, so Mel, do you want to just do a proper little introduction and do the official, this is who I am, this is why I'm awesome? <laughs> Uh, I'm Mel Riley. I'm an adult child and family therapy. Hello and thank you for uh, joining us this evening. Um, feeling a bit nervous. I don't do many lives. I'm much more comfortable one-to-one, but I'm sure I'll be fine. Um, uh, yes, I'm an adult child and family therapist. Bit of a, uh, I call myself a mad hatter. I love hats. I'm quite, I've trained in play therapy, so I'm a bit of a silly, billy, playful, lively soul. And I just have a massive passion for relationships um, and a massive interest in attachments and trauma that is born out of my own kind of traumatic history and um, I guess my strap line is that I like to help families move from surviving to thriving yeah I think that was quite good for not being rehearsed <laughs> very impressive I normally have to practice mine so I did put I, you on the spot there I'm sorry I, I don't do practice I'm neurodiverse dyspraxic and dyslexic and I can't I don't do prep or planning because it just puts me into spinning loops so I have to just go from the top of my head uh and thankfully I've got a bit of an encyclopedic head so it works <laughs> yeah very, very handy <laughs> so um let's let's kick off with some kind of general tips for looking after one's well-being and mental health with everything that's going on and like kind of keeping some space to yourself almost what sort of things would you advise that parents are trying to help their children do and themselves yeah i think one of the biggest things at the moment is we're living with so much uncertainty and that's going to churn up lots of kind of uh, feelings in our bodies so we may look we might be experiencing uh, low mood lack of motivation uh, sleep disturbances and those all come from that kind of heightened state so anything that we can do that is calming for us and i'm not i'm not quick to throw kind of meditation and mindfulness at people because we all find our calms in really different ways so it is about being able to take some time to really check in with you know how am i breathing what's going on in my body and um and can we don't have a lot of control and we're kind of all waiting for the world to open up again and we don't know when that'll be so it can feel a really long um, tunnel that we're all in and I have a lovely metaphor that we all drop our torches at different times in this tunnel and all the pain points are different so somebody's like working flat out somebody else doesn't have any work and so one is take care of yourself take care of what's going on in your own body and parents i think it's really important to put your own seat belt on or your own oxygen mask on first and really kind of check in with your own emotional states because um children are an extension of your nervous system so if it, it, it grounding yourself first and, and grounding techniques can be really useful if you're kind of going up into a panicky place being able to kind of name three things that you can see, smell, touch and taste, that helps to keep your kind of social engagement system online, stop you kind of going up even further. You're in your prefrontal cortex, your thinking brain. So you, um, that brings you back into your thinking brain out of your kind of lower kind of survival brain. 
working on your heart rate um, can also help. If, if you or your child are anxious, what we can do is just take a moment to, to breathe a little bit easier, like a big sigh. I'm aware when I'm on lives, I get anxious. And so my regulation goes a little bit and I talk really quickly. So practicing what I'm doing as I'm <sighs> feels quite nice. I have too many words in my spaces um, when I'm live. Um, so we can have a have a little pause, uh, a big sigh. You'll notice if you sigh, your shoulders just give a little bit. Um, so, yeah, all That's the stuff that <laughs> brings you back into into your body um, uh, can be massively useful if you have a trauma history being back in your body can be a bit frightening so you may have to start really small it might be just a few breaths while you're boiling the kettle it might be taking time to just you know watch the birds for a minute um, and and people might be thinking but I've got kids everywhere how do I do this it's it's really small stuff it's really small stuff a lot of the stuff that we have we would normally have access to we don't have so it, it it might be just taking putting a movie on and and, and taking 10 minutes out uh, for your own sanity uh because if you're not okay then your kids aren't going to be okay yeah 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 Love i think that. having those strategies mm -hmm. to hand yeah yeah, absolutely um, most people if they're honest probably don't have them they haven't really thought about how to deal with yeah. we we operate a lot in or at, uh, automatic pilot and a lot of people who maybe uh, have an anxious kind of conditions or um, symptoms uh, a lot of the time may have researched and may have some uh, grounding techniques but what we're seeing is people who don't have any kind of history of anxiety because we're in a pandemic and our safety is kind of compromised and you know it's worrying if you go to this some people will have different thresholds for risk and safety. That's so more many people are experience anxiety who don't really have any history or, or kind of tools to kind of to deal with that. And if you have anything in your history that makes you feel unsafe, this kind of will throw it back up. Yeah, that those feelings of not feeling maybe uh, safe in your body may. Um, I've got I've had some clients who said, you know, I have not had any of this for years, and suddenly my body's really busy on me again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all, it just gets a bit much, I think, for everyone. Yeah, situation. yeah. And, and I think it's yeah, you're absolutely right, Emily. It, it, it's it's flipping awful at times, and so you, you can acknowledge the stuckness, you can acknowledge the grief, the longing for all the stuff that we've kind of lost. Um, two things that help me, and again, I don't like shoving gratitude at people and telling them they need to be grateful because that can really invalidate people's experiences, but one way of flipping the negatives is is to kind of know that you if you are okay if there is food in the fridge and you are okay with a roof over your head then that's a bit grounding too in terms of you know what what do we have and, and changing your lens to what you do have rather than what you don't have can be massively helpful in kind of kind of grounding us um we talked about the body but i also think we talked a bit before we came on air about the noise um I think it's really, really pervasive at the moment. My husband and I were watching telly the other night and in between the programme, the adverts for staying safe came on and I was like really cross. I was like, can we not just have a couple of hours where, you know, I'm in my home 
can I not just have a couple of hours where I'm not reminded of this damn virus? <laughs> so um, keeping the noise out, not watching, consuming so much news if it's panicking you. We have a tendency when we're feeling unsafe to want more information because we think with more information, I'm going to have a handle on what's going on and that's going to make me feel safer. Mm -hmm. But actually what's happening is because the news isn't so great and it's conflicting and confusing, if you leave, leave one channel, you're like, we're under, we're, we've got this, the vaccines are going out like crazy. And on the other, we've got, there's a new strain over here. So it's really conflicting mm -hmm. and confusing. So I think uh, trying to um, keep a handle on how much you consume um is also i notice that when i consume less news i can forget out, forget about what's happening out there a little bit more and focus on kind of nurturing myself and my alarm bells aren't kind of kicking off quite so much hmm. yeah. yeah totally agree with that yeah. i mean I, I consume a lot of news on apps generally on my phone yeah and it's it's really difficult because every news story is hmm. pretty much related to the pandemic and yeah. it's a, a weekly quiz for schools um so 20 questions i have to do it for every monday morning last the whole week and so I, I'm, I'm asking questions that are not covid related because you know yeah you know students don't need any more of it frankly and to get 20 questions about the week's news is so hard at the moment yeah i can <laughs> imagine you know it's it yeah. it easy absolutely easy i could rattle it off in half an hour yeah. and then picking your way through all the noise um yeah. is is really difficult yeah, and it's not just the news, is it? It's link LinkedIn, Twitter, the social media channels. I'm noticing I'm spending a lot less time. It, it's done a lot for my Twitter addiction because actually I don't want to scroll through death notice after death notice. And that's not because I don't care. It's because it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. definitely found the same. I've had, because I'm trying to keep an eye on Twitter for education news so that I can then tell people about it as and when it happens. Um, somebody suggested, which is, basically saved my week setting up a list and there's just a few people that that have that kind of the leaks the the information yeah. that's crucial everything else is noise and so now I'm just looking at the list yeah I'm probably just looking once a day which has made such a difference to my my general stress levels because Twitter was stressing me out yeah so, um yeah it's you're absolutely right it's it's kind of keeping the noise out where you can yeah most definitely We've got some questions, shall we? We have got some yeah. questions. So, it's a bit scary and, and exciting at the same time. I normally do podcasts where I'm talking to a presenter, so having live questions is like, this is new. <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll look after you. It's going to be awesome. So, um, so, Emma says, in my day job, I come across young people who have self-harmed, mainly overdoses that have been admitted. How do I broach the subject of why and then how can I help? Uh, a nice big question. Emma, um, I think when you're working with people in deep distress, it can bring up a lot of distress for yourself and and helpless feelings of wanting to kind of, ha how do I help? How do I stop this person um, uh, from either taking their life or self-harming? And I think one of the things we're trying to do as therapists, which can be quite hard, is not to panic because these are coping strategies um, that someone has, particularly in, in, in self-harm, so not to judge and not to panic, and just to really be curious about whether they want to talk about what's happening for them. Um, and, and everybody makes sense of their own kind of coping strategies. Um, for some people, um, self-harm is a way of um, feeling alive, 
for other people um, who disassociate, it may bring them back into the present. We know that self-harm also releases endorphins, um, particularly if there's bloodletting. Um, and so there's there's lots of kind of neuroscience about why self-harm is, it's unhelpful in terms of it, it causes scarring and, and injury to the skin. And I'm thinking about cutting here, but there are so many forms of self-harm. Um, um, overworking is a culturally acceptable form of self-harm. Um, but I'm thinking uh, of the kind of more obvious ones. So really staying alongside them and listening um, without judgment is is probably really really useful and maybe might be enough and of course signposting to um, services that might be able to work with them um, more longer term if you aren't able to um, there is no one thing to do but just you know to understand be curious without judgment um, goes a, a massively massively long way and to recognize your own panic um, when you're working with somebody who's in distress Fabulous, thank you. And Emma, I don't know if you saw uh, yesterday we had a, a self-harm specialist on, so that's definitely worth a look. Um, we're going to pop in her contact details as well when she sends them over. So um, if you wanted any kind of further stuff. Yeah, um, it tends to be quite longer term kind of support that's required and people really let go of those kind of strategies when they're feeling safe or when they have, you can't, asking people to stop i used to work in a prison and when you take away people's um uh, 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 coping strategies then it actually spins them further into crisis so there's a lot of um there's kind of a lot of of kind of i don't know what i can't find my word um i guess we're leaning more towards um safer self-harm um say so, uh just like we do with drug users we might have um a care plan that involves uh safe injecting materials we may have a care plan for self-harming that you have clean implements that you safe harm your self-harm um away from other people so you don't cause distress to other people that your stuff's kept safe um and kind of looking at whether the self-harm is superficial or whether and, and 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 checking out whether your person knows when when it's not superficial and when they need medical care yeah it's a yeah. little bit, bit bit more on that yeah thank you thank you um and then debbie had a question uh, my son compares himself to what others his peers are doing and this can cause anxiety how can i help him ignore this um yeah i i, I think debbie don't ignore it help him ignore it i think it's understanding and helping understand why he does it and I think you probably can use your own experiences here. I probably, I'm probably betting you do it too, because <laughs> I think we all do. We all do. We all kind of measure ourselves um, up or down. It's usually down, interestingly enough. You know, we can. Our not good enough self shows itself in many ways. Mine's like, oh my god, I haven't done a TED talk. I haven't written a book. Um, they're not things that would particularly. They would the things that I would really struggle with. And so I'm quite happy just seeing clients. But on the on a tough day, those are the things I might go to. So it's about really understanding that we we all can do that. And I think rather than trying to stop in, it would be really good to kind of just sit alongside him and say you know we all compare ourselves sometimes to other people but they haven't lived your life and they don't have the same skill set of you as you you know it would take me forever to write a book some of these people whip them out in weeks so it's about honoring that you have your own particular skill set um and 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 so what you can do is really important so 
really identifying what his strengths are and being there's some vulnerability required in life that we we're not good at everything um that we we struggle with some things and we can't be perfect um often perfectionism which is kind of what we're kind of leaning into here is about warding off feelings of inadequate ina inadequacy and shame and so for it to say to him you know it's okay to have these vulnerable vulnerable moments we all have them um but coming back to what are your strengths what do you do and that it's okay to be good enough um i you know my message in life and you know have somebody wanted to tie up a video i did and i was like no leave it <laughs> i don't need it to be all polished and perfect it could just be it can be good enough because we get well, i think perfectionism is a massive problem it's the warding off of rejection and shame and so modeling good enough um we i sometimes see it you know um i, I got i got 10 i got seven in an exam and i you know i'm i'm, I'm obsessed about the three points i didn't get rather than being able to give yourself credit for the seven that you did get so what we can do is really feedback i think noticing effort is really really important because what we tend to do is tell kids oh you've done an awesome job over there what's really more more um helpful is to be curious and say how do you feel about that kind of piece of work you did you know did it take you a long time did you work hard on it yeah um have you done your best and if you if you've done your best let's send it in and see how we get on yeah um so promoting a good enough rather than and really trying to kind of notice that when we're kind of slipping into perfectionist role often it's 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 learnt behavior from our parents and their anxieties they get passed on unfortunately yeah, yeah. yes i am a recovering perfectionist me too yeah, me and too. With the videos um, we do, it's uh, done's always better than yes. Done. Yeah, done's always better than perfect. But yeah. that's so hard because we what we have to do is we have to risk being vulnerable. Mm. We have to be, and and that in itself, in people who've been very vulnerable, particularly people like myself who've had a lot of uncertainty and trauma, will guard up to do anything but to be vulnerable again. Yeah, I'm aware. Before I came on here, I was a bit like, oh podcast yeah because i knew it was live there's a little part of me going oh can i how can i get out of it that's my scared bit of my brain so yeah um really helping your son to understand that vulnerability is okay um doing your best is okay often often when we can settle down and and, and do it not perfect um it's often at a standard that is quite high anyway because that, that not good enough self drives us to overachieve and overwork and um, i'm aware that i sit here with a often a not good enough frame but actually uh my standards are fairly high um yeah so uh, uh leaning into that vulnerability that um your best is good enough rewarding effort noticing when they've done a good job on something and uh, and re uh, really rewarding effort rather than achievement because they don't always add up you can spend a lot of time on something and it still doesn't look great because that's just not your strength yeah yeah yeah, totally. Very, very much. And um, the, the hymn sheet we sing from. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's important. And then I guess going back to what we were saying earlier, it's then helping him have strategies for when he is feeling anxious, for when he does have yeah. that kind of that feeling. 
again, going back into the body, naming it, um, Dancy Girl's work is lovely. Name it to tame it. The minute you kind of name what's going on, it kind of brings your child's nervous system down a bit. We often, I just did a video actually, it's only a couple of minutes long. Lisa's just subtitled it and chucked it out. And uh, it's about being able to hear the emotions rather than jumping in to fix. And it's distressing for us adults and parents when we, when our kids aren't doing so well. And we kind of want to jump in with solutions and rescue them from this. Car. And I always say to my clients, sit in the muddy puddle with them just just sit down in the muddy puddle with them and say I, I get you're feeling really anxious I feel like that sometimes too we can normalize the emotions rather than try and kind of whip them away and so you're building a resilience in this is how I feel I think you can also notice um, I love Brené Brown's work on shame and she kind of said there's always a messy bit in the middle before you get to the growth and so you can remind your kid this is tough there's a messy bit in the middle where we feel a bit anxious but you know what we can get through this together and we're, we're going to be okay and so actually you can support them through those wobbles and actually I noticed that about myself the process is I have a bit of a flap but I do it anyway I really wish I didn't have that flap but I, that flap gets a little bit smaller uh, as we practice stuff. We get we get our bodies get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you you start to recognise the process within yourself yeah. as well because I've, yeah. I've I've been terrible. There are there are things that I do sometimes within the business. So we're about to launch a, a new product. I'm busy writing the sales page. Yeah. It's not so much my forte, and so I spent two days procrastinating and putting it off and finding anything else to do. Yeah. Other than doing it, and then getting stressed because I hadn't done it yet. Sat down and just wrote it out in half an hour, and then I've just spent the day putting it together. And now it's finished. Yeah. I'm it loving awesome. it. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Can, like through the process, yesterday I had such a tears halfway through the day that I literally sat on the sofa, put my jumper over my head, and just sat and breathed for a few minutes because I just needed mm -hmm. to, like yeah. no screens, no nothing, and that that did the trick because I know and I recognise those. Yeah. Kind of procrastination is a bit of a free state it's kind of like i'm overwhelmed i can't see a way out and so i do nothing or i go and do something else in in kind of displacement so to notice that overwhelm and either break it down into smaller chunks or asking somebody else to come in and help alongside you i'm I, i'm dyslexic so writing is definitely not my fault it's interesting because if i'm flinging stuff on linkedin i'm happy with that i'm comfortable in that little kind of box that you know it's it'll be gone next week um spelling typos and ever if you ask me to write an article for a magazine you wouldn't see me for dust yeah that feels a whole lot more serious i have actually done two now so i'm, I'm getting there with that one but all of these wobbles are our kind of scared parts that kind of, yeah, kind of, and, and actually we can ask for help. We can, you know, um, you probably didn't occur to you, but if you ask people what you do, they probably tell you better than you, you tell yourself, than, than, than you can yourself. <laughs> it's one of the things we say to parents when we do, yeah. actually, we have like a motivation masterclass and we try and get kids to figure out what it is that lights them up. Like if you yeah. design what your life's going to look yeah. like in 10 years, what would it be? And we say, ask your parents, because they'll see it so much more clearly. Yeah than you can in terms of your strengths like your almost superpowers because you just I, take it for granted when it's you mm -hmm. i think 
you you kind of live with your raw you kind of live with yourself every day so you kind of see your 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 kind of skill set and your story as ordinary it's nothing special but when other people hear your story or you see your skill set they will spot it i often say um another article that never got wrote you're not the best detective for your own life we ignore the evidence we're the worst detectives you know if this is a crime scene like there's blood everywhere but we're ignoring it yeah um the compliments may come in and we may bat them away because it feels uncomfortable because it disrupts that story that we've had for such a long time mm. yeah yeah i say compliments yeah. are a little bit like new shoes you have to um live with the uncomfortableness they create and in time um they you get more comfortable with them yeah yeah it's it's the whole yeah. being able to just say thank you rather than you know somebody says oh that's a lovely outfit and you're like oh it was, it was 10 pounds from primark and you feel yeah, really trying to shrink it yeah. trying to shrink it yeah. down because it feels so uncomfortable yeah mm -hmm. to say thank you that thank you for noticing and just sit with and allow it into your body kind of slowly mm -hmm. yeah yeah well, something i noticed about our 12 year old she when you give her a compliment she says oh thanks she doesn't yeah. ever sort of you know oh it's nothing or she yeah. she yeah, I mean, must be doing something right as well. So. Yeah, she, she, it fits with her narrative. She's able to accept mm. it. It's not too big for her. I often say mm. when I'm working with care kids, I'm kind of, you know, I work in, uh, with a foster and uh, adoption agency. And, um, and, and sometimes we can overwhelm people with too much praise. So sometimes it's better. I like the noticing. It's a little bit gentler. I notice you've, you've worked really hard on that. Um, your awesome is kind of like, it gets thrown out. It's not as it's not as you know. Sometimes the big words aren't as powerful as the kind of noticing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. 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 it helps them feel seen. Yeah, 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 and yeah, seen and felt. Yeah. So a quick point from Vicky uh, saying thank you very much. Um, her eleven-year-old definitely feels uh, not good enough. And this um, has really helped. So. That's really helped. She's coming back later to listen to the rest. So she. Okay. Uh, Oh, jump back in. Uh, a very quick shout out to Jilly. Yes, hello. Uh, yes, we did work at the, dare I say it, the best academy in the whole of Stangground. <laughs> hello. <laughs> um, sorry if you're on the podcast, that's not going to make any sense, but you're just going to have to live with it or go to the Facebook page and catch up. It's okay. It's one of Paul's buddies. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Kerry has a question Are there any apps or support that you would recommend for easing teenagers' anxiety and panic attacks? Um, they're not any different from adult panic attacks. I think that's a really interesting thing to say. A panic attack's a panic attack. Um, they may they may be kind of badged up a little bit, kind of um, more kid friendly. Um, I'm not massive, and I'm not a massive app person. Um, I'm much more a, a in person person. Um, so. Um, you're probably the best person to manage your kids panic attacks rather than an app. Um, if I'm really honest, if you're available and around um, with them. Um, I think the best thing we want to know is actually what can we do before they get to panic attack stage? Um, sometimes managing the climate before, it's a bit like when people say, what do I do with my kids kicking off and throwing things? I'm like, really want to kind of try and stop them getting to that stage so maybe um noticing when they're overwhelmed and stepping in a little bit earlier monitoring you know um is is this a, is this too much or too little for you like if we're going into a crowded place and somebody's starting to feel a bit uncomfortable helping them to use their words to say you know i need some time out or can we step out the crowds i know that's that's probably relevant right now we're not doing crowds but you know we'll come out of this eventually so whatever whatever it is that's that's kind of in the panic what we really want to do is you 
um, you can't really halt a panic attack once it starts. But what we can do is we can use our thinking brain because they don't have any. Yeah, they've kind of gone out of their thinking brain, their, their limbic system, the amygdala's going off like crazy. And so their heart rate is really high and they've got may have chest pains and you feel like you're gonna die. It's really frightening. And if you have um and, and if then if if you're not helped to understand them and deal with them, um, then you can you kind of almost have a post-traumatic stress response. You know, I remember somebody saying that, you know, I'm really terrified of of, of telephone boxes. And I was like, what did the telephone box do to you? And she's like I, her first panic attack was in a telephone box. So of course, every time she went near a panic a telephone box, she would remember the anxiety attack, and they would come on. And so, panic breeds panic. But what we can do is you can help your teenager by um, by um, using your voice, your social engagement system, so you can use your voice. Um, no one's ever been told. No one in the land has ever calm down by being told to calm down <laughs> and that that applies with anger too Particularly what, to a teenager. Yeah, what we can do is say i can see you're panicking here um get it get eye contact if you can you might want to take hands too because holding hands helps to um help to regulate she she'll feel safer if you've got her hands and then what we can do is help her to slow her breathing down as we slow the breathing down we slow the heart rate down and um this is why breathing is you know uh, most people who get people to breathe don't tell them why and and that's really important because if you don't tell them why then they don't really buy into the process it's like oh that's too simple i'm not doing that but when you slow your heart rate right the way down, you're sending messages up to your brain to say, turn the alarm bells off. Stop sending me adrenaline, cortisol, noradrenaline. You're also able, you're, what your brain also does, it squirts a substance called GABA that calms everything down. And so um, helping somebody to breathe slower um, and just bringing them down, bringing their heart rate down. And what happens when we bring the heart rate down is you do something that's called applying the parasympathetic brake. So you've got a calm and wobbly nervous system. And so that, that wobbly um, nervous system switches back to the, you've got parasympathetic and sympathetic. I never remember which one's which, the calm and the wobbly one works for me. Um, and so it switches from the, 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 the wobbly one back to the calm. So changing your breathing changes your, your physiology. Um, Brené Brown did some research. What's the scariest job and how do they manage it? And she went to the armed forces and the, the only way they stay in their thinking brains on the battlefield is they're taught to breathe properly. Yeah. Um, apps like Headspace, um, Mind. Um, as I said, I, I, I'm not a massive apps person, so I, I can't think of any kind of major ones for um, panic attacks, but anything that works for adults will work with children. There are some lovely teenage teenage books on well-being i like tina ray's got one on that's just come out on well-being uh the sumo guy also has written a lovely book um for teenagers on well-being so there are some lovely books out. i'm much more of a books than an apps person so i'm sorry i don't have anything else for you but i have given you some physiology of how how a panic attack works and, with, um, oh sorry yeah so sorry. With, with panic attacks um i've seen so 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 many more students in probably in the last couple of years than I ever have done before, have panic attacks. Is it something on the increase? And if so, why would it suddenly become more of a thing in the last year or so? Or is that just my experience? This is, I think, 
there's an intergenerational pattern that if we've got adults with health mental health issues and they have anxiety then children don't learn the skills of calming their bodies and their uh, and, uh, and and their systems down so um unless we have a lot more education and support around mental health, I think it gets, it's getting worse with the generations. I think we also have a lot more pressures um, on, on, on teenagers, they're tested, um, the you know schools i'm sorry schools but they are brands and businesses with league tables and so the pressures that's happening in schools i've had students who've got a b and the teachers you know kind of push in for an a star because they're league tables so that's not in the that child's best interest a b is fine mm -hmm. that's a B is good enough for her to go where she needs to go, but school one and A star. So, I think we're we made. You know, the well being should come first. But in a lot of the schools I'm seeing, the pressure. This, you know, they go to school, they do they they do all this work in school, and then they come home to another pile. So I think we're we're piling piling it on, and so some kids are buckling under the pressure of it all. Um, it's it's we live in a fast, busy society, don't we? I also think um, the gadgets probably aren't helping. We we're, we're processing over processing information. Um, we're we're busy brained all the time. Um, I didn't get to stay up till two a.m. I'm old. I didn't get to stay up till two a.m. in the morning WhatsApping my friends. <laughs> yeah now that's happening so i think the climate is changing <laughs> and our bodies are probably responding to some of that so i think there's lots of lots of kind of factors that are making our children and our adults more anxious yeah yeah mm -hmm. we could also add, add in socioeconomic kind of pressures couldn't we you know people losing their jobs not being able to you know when i left school you go anywhere and get a job now it's a big old competition and so yeah so much i think so many factors are impacting on our mental health yeah that's a big answer sorry but i think it is a big answer mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So i've got another question about panic attacks this is about me rather than but i think it kind of applies to teams as well so i yeah. i think i'm fairly level-headed i don't have any um yeah. mental health issues i don't think um however when i go for an mri scan i i hate it i hate the build-up to it i hate the actual process of it because of the you know, claustrophobia i don't see myself as being claustrophobic but the build-up to an event whether it's an mri and it's me or whether it's going back to school and you're a teenager or an exam yeah. or whatever um that run up and then the actual doing of it what's the advice to try and sort of overcome that well i guess it's anxiety that yeah it is anxiety. It's it's a situation that you've been in. You have a frame of reference for it. And if I'm going for another one, then I'm going to have to go through this process again. And actually, I don't feel safe in this tube. Why would you? It's not our normal habitat, is it? To lie still in a tube. Um, it makes horrible. I've had quite a few, actually. So it makes horrible noises um, if you don't stay still. We also know that metal and magnets cause. So there's all these anxieties about what could, you know, it, it's, it looks like an innocent tube, but we actually know that the stuff that can 
can happen in this tube. And so your body's responding. It's it, You've gone into your fight flight and you're going into your fight flight in anticipation of having to go into this phase. I'm guessing what you can try and do, and, and I had somebody who needed an operation and had some of those same fears. And so um, as you're leading up to it, you can kind of use your thinking brain before you get at, while you're still in your thinking brain to really remind yourself that you've been in this a bit like we talked to the kid about you know the kind of uh, perfectionist stuff using your own self-talk we can remind ourselves that we're safe you are you are treated you you know you've got uh, people there to take care of you I think if you if you're really anxious I'm anxious in the dentist I didn't have a good experience with a dentist you can also let your um you, 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 the people who are treating you know that you're you, you have a raised heart rate and you're anxious so you can ask for the support you need if you need the mri to stop because you feel you can't get out um you can ask for the emergency buzz, buzzer and so they can stop the process and get you out i think we can tolerate a lot more when we know we can get out yeah when we have a way to leave um, and so when I when I'm when I'm in the dentist, I'm, I've let my dentist know that this makes me really anxious. I might need a bit more time. Um, I also say to him because they're messing in your mouth and he's quite close. I say to him, if I put my hand up, will you stop? I need you to stop if I put my hand up. Yeah. And he's like, OK, so you can establish your own safety needs, which will help to some degree. And it really is. <sighs> as you notice your heart rate going up, if you um, focus on some box breathing, so four in, hold for four and release for four. And if you maybe try and do 10 or 20 of those, what's gonna happen is while I'm focusing on my breathing and while I'm counting, I'm in my prefrontal cortex. It's really hard to panic and count at the same time, <laughs> yeah? So we can use, um, I, I'm a bit like that. I used to be a bit like, I have some kind of social anxiety stuff um, that has got better, but interviews used to be like that for me. I'd be, I can remember going into a school and um, uh, I needed to see the head teacher and kind of demonstrate some expertise in order to get a job. And I could feel myself dysregulating in the waiting room. And so what I was able to do is go, okay, again, a little bit flustered here. And uh, I just kind of, do the box breathing and keep counting and I'm really taking my mind off the fact that I'm going in to see the head teacher um, who actually wasn't that scary at all um, and so keeping your heart rate low and really focusing on your breath brings you back it stops it, it applies that that parasympathetic break yeah and so those are tools that we can use to try and calm ourselves down yeah yeah thank you Give it yeah. a spin. i mean I, I think that was possibly free therapy for paul but it's going to help me when i next go to the dentist a lot of people because yeah. uh, what I, I really invite people to do is to try and remove the shame you yeah. know most people do not ask for what they need we all have a trauma history perhaps to some degree you know things that set us off so rather than they're traumatized and we're not let's go for everybody is mm. and actually what do i need to feel safe when i went through i you know i i, I don't like things over my face it makes me panic i'm a, I'm a suffocation survivor and so when i went from a, a facial the first thing I, rather than getting really worked up the first thing i did was 
you know, throw the shame out the window and say, I need you to know, please don't put any flannels over my face. Um, she was like, okay. I says, I, I, I'll panic. If, uh, you can work on my face, but if you put anything over my face, it will make me panic. Then I can really chill instead of hiding it and feeling ashamed. And and I'd be like this on the on the facial table waiting to, you know, oh God, is she going to put a flannel on my face? Um, so owning what we need and asking for it without shame does take some vulnerability and work um, one of the teenagers who was struggling with anxiety and assembly um i said to her is there anywhere you sit where you feel safer and um you can all tell how safe you feel when you look at where you pick your seat in the theater <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot of people want the outside seats they don't want to be in the middle they feel stuck and trapped we like our exits and so she was able to say, if I, I want to be in the uh, the assembly, but can I have a seat near the door? Yeah. And the teacher actually said, you can't choose where you sit. And she <laughs> bless her, I taught her well. She said, I'm in therapy. My therapist says, you know, I'll regulate better if I sit here than if I sit in the middle. So if it's not upsetting anybody for me to sit here. And the she, teacher was like, OK, <laughs> fight for what you need yeah in a theater front and center love it in a comedy show at the back for yeah. me because i always get picked on it's that's, the ears, apparently. That, that's the shame and vulnerability isn't it of being put under the spotlight yeah it's, it's I, a guarantee I, of being put under the spotlight oh every my, time, yeah it's, I, I ended up being whole part of the show once i was at one and this i did get picked on i got a hat on so i was probably asking for it um and then he kind of wanted to know what i did and i was like i'm a psychotherapist oh he had a field day had an absolute field day <laughs> we got some more questions uh, we've got some some comments so kerry who asked about the panic attacks wanted to say thank you um she uh, that that really kind of reassured her that she was doing the right kind of thing she said thanks for the book yeah. recommendations and jilly was just agreeing with the the pressures in schools it's very much a trickle down thing there is a yeah. lot of pressure on heads there's a lot of therefore pressure on middle leaders yeah. on teachers which just gets passed mm -hmm. along because yeah. you know yeah. that's how it is so um yeah yeah, yeah uh, absolutely right it doesn't help that um you know i've worked with kids with mental health issues you know panic attacks anxiety maybe um even school refusals and i've seen i've even seen a mother whose kids aren't in school because she has cancer and she doesn't have long to live and the welfare office is kind of sending letters so yeah sometimes it, you, you're like that i was i haven't got a picture but i've had a picture it would be a bit like that we're kind of holding everybody away and creating space for our children to stay well you know uh that maybe they're not handing their homework in maybe maybe they're not doing something maybe they're taking a mental health day and actually that's about managing our own anxieties about you know if they don't get these gcs life is over and actually it's not we sometimes forget that no they're 14 15 16 they've got their whole lives to learn it's not over if if they don't get them now i didn't go to school till i was 28 yeah, yeah. <laughs> proper school i did go to school but i didn't get anything i, I was too traumatized to hear half of it and disassociated but at 28 i went back to school so there's plenty of time and that's that's what we're not giving our kids not all kids are academic mm. either are they you know mm. some kids aren't going to do well at exams exams are just bloody memory tests and some of us mm. don't remember so well but you give us a, a you maybe give us a a piece of coursework and we might excel at that or we might be able to repair a motorbike from scratch so i don't think yeah. i don't think we um this goes back to your question about anxiety 
were not prizing the creative subjects. Um, I, I, I absolutely threatened a kid that I'd stop her therapy if she stopped ice skating during her exams. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have gone through with it, but I was like, please don't stop ice skating. That's your that's the time where you're in flow. You're completely in your homeostasis, homeostasis, calm brain. That's where you come alive on the ice. You're, nothing matters when you're skating and, try, and doing your, your turns on the ice. That is better than any antidepressant. So please, the anxiety they have, they drop all their... Um, they drop all their well-being stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, it's definitely not like we're yeah. not going to do this yeah um, oh, Jilly, Jilly, i love you thank you for the stroke <laughs> oh, i'm on my soapbox but i think it's probably all of our soapboxes who are yeah. interested in caring for our kind of our children yeah and it throws up a big question about when when we get to the point where schools are back in inverted yeah. commas and we're not we don't have the choice anymore um I, there are going to be a lot of parents there are going to be plenty of parents who are like thank goodness i just want them to go back to school but there yeah. are also going to be plenty who've said you know what no this has been the making of my child yeah. because they've actually thrived outside of that school pressure cooker absolutely or when just, you take kids out they may have had yeah. new interests new hobbies they may have done more creative stuff they may be calmer children yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, they're, or they're just worried like um yeah. you know, about bringing things home and and causing issues for the family you know once they're back at school they're not not locked up in a house anymore protected yeah. from the virus I, and things. I think we're going to see a lot of anxiety arise when as, as, as just like we've been closed down we've got lots of anxiety we're going to see a lot when we go back hmm. um yeah. The first one might be, will we fit in our clothes? Uh, <laughs> where are our shoes? But beyond that, it, you know, I've got I've got yeah. a most amazing pair. Of, I've, I've got a really expensive pair of slippers because I'm like, I'm going to be in these for months, so they may as well be comfy. Um, uh, so as we go back in, we're going to have some anxieties. Um, I think we're also going to have some back to work blues that go on. I'm thinking of the people who don't have the hour commute on a train now and then have to go back to that. They're not going to want to. Yeah. They're not going to want it. Um, so, that. yeah. That's, that's yeah. a huge part of a working day, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Off on a train yeah. or a car or yeah. whatever. Even first getting out and going back into the shops, for example, which is something that, I mean, we've been pretty much locked up for a year. Um, and not gone anywhere or done anything for the yeah. most part. We're getting yeah. our shopping delivered. So we're not, yeah. I'm not facing that stuff. I know if yeah. I went into Tesco right now, I would be very, very anxious. Yeah. And I, that would really, really stress me out. And I don't know when we're going to hit that point where it feels okay again. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Everybody's going to have different thresholds for what they can tolerate, what their bodies can tolerate um, as we enter the world. Just like we often have phase returns back to work after long-term sick, we almost need a gentle, um, whether we'll get it, and we might have to think about how we can kind of give that to ourselves, um, a gentle phase introduction back into the world and 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 i think this is something employers probably will also need to think about in terms of you can't just go from this to that without our bodies kind of having you know maybe some kind of wobbles um around that um yeah so it'll bring a whole new set of kind of uh challenges up for us yeah how do you think that's going to work then for the teenagers who are told um you know 
it's the 8th of March and everything's okay. Get yourselves back into school. And it's just gone from zero to a million in potentially a day for a year. Year 11 and year 13 will probably be first back and they'll have them in for at least two weeks at a time. It's pants, pants, isn't it? Utter pants because there's no warning, there's no preparation. And and that's been the whole, um, getting a bit political here, but that's been the whole thing, hasn't it? There's no warning, there's no preparation, there's no chance to get your head around it, find out where your bloody school uniform is if you've got to wear one. So I think... Two weeks warning this time around, Gavin Williamson has pledged it. (laughs) I think that's... that will help it will help people to kind of start Mm. to get ready but again i think this is up to your parents you're the you're in charge of your kids well-being so it doesn't matter if you i'm a bit of a rebel sorry you've you've really asked if you want on if if you don't want honest don't invite me on (laughs) um i'm a bit of a rebel if your kid can only manage half days and they're only doing half days until they can manage four ones you're in charge of your kids welfare and well-being and it takes a really i think courageous and strong parents to kind of um um kind of almost put your two fingers up to the system and do what fits for your kid and 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 um um kind of face the wrath of the school welfare officer they rarely they rarely prosecute and i think you've got a bit of a kind of loophole at the moment because by the time they've written all the letters and got them out your kid will probably be back in school yeah yeah Yeah. sorry yeah jilly i'm not holding my breath on that one we shall see yeah Yeah. giving his word yeah i think we know that words don't mean a lot with uh with with a certain uh population yeah yes. <laughs> we'll go back to the questions and we'll just skate past the political stuff before go for I it. um um although jilly says we should send you to gareth which yeah yeah, yeah. Well, Gavin, i'm guessing but yeah um, i'd like to find them all on that particular oh, yeah. <laughs> right vicky says um, how would you help to manage an anxious child who has had all of his hobbies stopped? He's definitely feeling not good enough and presents as tantrums, frustrations, etc. Uh, no life teaching, etc. because he's in year six. So um, she is indeed now back. Yes. I really feel for your little one, Vicky. I feel a bit like your kids. All the stuff that I'm able to do has just disappeared and I want to have a bloody big tantrum over it. It's not fair. It's not fair. It hurts. It's miserable. And we can really drop into that kind of like, you know, kick off, basically. He's dropped into his fight flight brain. I think if you feed back that to him, the name it to tame it, again, go sit with him in the muddy puddle, um this isn't fair is it it's miserable it's really horrible we have to do this and we don't want to um one of the things i think we all have to learn in life and one of the one of the things i'm constantly repeating time and time again is it's not our job to force children to do things it's our job to um support them when they have to do stuff that is really tough um the stuff you don't want to do um the stuff that you have to do that you have to push through so i would really start with that vicky and say and name it for him this is really tough isn't it you're missing football you're missing your friends um I, I, you give anything to go and kick that ball around maybe with your mates and then i guess once we've heard it all and we've soothed, soothed him down a bit then we have to think about what can we control 
yeah um what moving to you know i i i had a massive gardening project in the in the summer that kept me sane when everything was closed off i literally threw myself into gardening um and this winter i've thrown myself into kind of exercise with the help of a pt i'm really not that motivated um and so um it might be about looking with him about what new hobbies can we find to do? Um, I've been chucking stuff on my Twitter that I kind of randomly think about. It could be anything from painting bean cans and growing a herb garden, making candles. It could be ordering a kit off Amazon of a racing car and painting it with him. It could be kicking around in the park. If you, if you, what, whatever you can find to replace some of his coping strategies and his hobbies maybe it's a time to adopt a few new ones or try something new if, if he's willing to we can't do this but can we do that instead yeah so but really hearing the disappointment try not to rescue him too quickly um this is tough this is hard it hurts it's miserable we can just name it for what it is i think people have a fear that if we live in this toxic positivity world that's another podcast we could spend hours on um, um and so we don't have to always keep kids positive um you know oh you just got to be strong and positive it's bullshit. let's just name it for what it is that suits kids down a lot better and then help him to kind of adjust what is he like what you know can you give him a pick list go on google 50 things to do on a rainy day um and see if you can find something that kind of um um lights him up or gets him excited yeah 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 it's been um i think something that most of us have faced i think uh, during yeah. lockdown i know so i i run a choir normally yeah. and it's been it's been close to a year now since we last kind of got a chance to meet and sing together and that is very much my my thing that's the thing that lights me up that gets me out yeah. of it forget everything no more stress and and I've missed it really really missed it and I've missed all the people as well yeah. and we tried zoom it wasn't the same it's and not. it just made me sad because I missed them more yeah. so I've been having to try and find alternative things I feel to, the grief yeah. i can hear the grief in your voice it is yeah. there's so many every turn at the moment every corner we turn we might find grief yeah mm -hmm. it's 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 mad things i i'm wearing new jewelry i've got some new i don't wear jewelry very, uh, very often it's 10 years and i bought i've actually loved these little recycle companies so i've got two sets now um and it came and it's like oh i've got i've got my new jewelry on and i wanted to go out yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like the group arrived of, oh, I can't go out. You know, when we get new stuff, we want to go out. Yeah. I, I, I got around that by treating myself to new fluffy pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, must, I must admit, I haven't bought any outdoor clothing, but uh, I might have one or two more leggings than I should own. <laughs> to yes. go with the fabulous I, I don't know where any of the clothes are, yeah. the bottom half, that aren't joggies or pajamas now. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I don't miss skinny jeans. I'm putting it out there. This is more comfortable. I'm just saying. Absolutely. And um, so Vicky has added, uh, he's become a little recluse, wanting more time on his computer, etc. Really tricky to manage, but this really helps. I'm not always empathetic enough. I, I hear you. I, I've got a tip for you uh, for any parent who's got their kids on gadgets. I'm going to use my own example here. We often, when we're communicating, we tend to go into um, a narrative of blaming, and that can be shaming. So you, you're always on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> 
if you if you use those words you're always on your phone they're going to go and you are or or they'll shut down on you or wander off you the blame and the shame arrives and the communication stops i would go for a much more vulnerable um communication um i'm going to use my nephew here i've got a nephew i went to pick him up for brunch many moons ago and we were allowed out and um, he was on his phone and i was like what are you doing on your phone? Well, I was thinking, what are you doing on your phone? I want to talk to you. I haven't seen you for ages. And I thought, if I just if I just attack him, he's going to shut down. So I said to him, who are you talking to? And he said, one of my mates. I said, you know what? I'm feeling really jealous. And he said, why? I was like, I'm really jealous. You're talking to your mate. And I came over to see you. I want to talk to you. I want to know what you've been up to. How's work? How are you getting on with your girlfriend? And I said, would you mind putting your phone away? I miss you when you're on your phone. I feel jealous of it. And he put it away. He said, oh, I said, you know, can they have you later? I've only got you for a couple of hours. Yeah. Can I borrow you from your mates? So the please from a more heartfelt, I miss you place are much likely to be um, to be um, kind of greeted and, and, and responded to. I miss you. Can you would you come out your bedroom? I miss you. I want to do something with you. I had a kid when I had a kid I thought I would bake with her or paint her nails or whatever you know come play with me works a lot better than you're always in your room yeah, yeah. yeah. and if the conflict's too high downstairs then they'll always be in their room because that's what kids teenagers do they hide rather than come down for a, a lecture yeah true story, true story. <laughs> yeah you can hear yeah. maybe yeah yeah, yeah. um well, some awesome, awesome stuff. And um, well, does anyone else? Kind yeah. of sums it up, really. Um, yeah, thank massively you, very helpful. helpful. So, and um, if anyone else has got anything, then jump in now, because otherwise yeah. we're we're you know we're aware we're taking up lots and lots of Mel's evening. I'm really enjoying myself actually. I was a bit terrified of the live questions, but um, you know, my, my well, we should do this again then. <laughs> you just talked yourself into it. I, I, I'm definitely up for another one. I, I like my. It's like agony, Aunt Mel, isn't it? I've always wanted my own show, Paul. You know, let's do yeah. it. <laughs> let's do it. It's a way to help more people that that, mm. that come that can they're not often access therapy. So yeah. Um, yeah. If it's helped people, then um, my heart is warm too. Yeah, very, very definitely helped yeah. people. I can vouch that it's helped me. If, if even if nobody else had put all the myriad thank yous we've seen come through, so you're a star. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. Massively appreciated. Uh, and yeah, you're definitely going to have to come back on mm. again, again. Oh, definitely, anytime you need me. Pick a topic. I'll come, come on and answer questions. Thank you.